my cousin Beth, and we were reading um, scripture out loud. And so she had an app pulled up on her phone, and it was in the King James Version. So I had called out different chapters that I wanted her to read out loud, and I had chosen Job 38 through 42, which are some of my favorite chapters, because what's happening in those chapters is God is saying, look at everything I've done, you are not me, right? And Job is listening to that. So as my cousin Beth is reading, she gets to chapter 39, and she comes to this verse. Will the unicorn be willing to serve thee, or abide by thy crib? Canst thou bind the unicorn with his band in the furrow? And then she stopped. Wait a second. There's unicorns in the Bible? And we started laughing just at the moment. It struck us as really funny. Of course, she was picturing this guy, right? Um, a couple weeks after that, I was sitting at home reading the Bible just on my own, and I went back to Job 38 and till 42. You have to do the whole thing. Um, and I came to chapter 39 again, except this time I was reading in the ESV, where it's translated wild ox. So immediately in my mind, I'm thinking, how do you go from unicorn to wild ox? So, of course, my phone is right next to me. I pick it up and I start Googling. Unicorns in the Bible. I am not kidding when I tell you that not 20 minutes later, Somehow, I'm reading an article about how to raise your child without God. I, I don't know. Like, that happens, right? We start getting into these rabbit trails, and we get off track, and I start reading the comments on that article. They are angry comments. <laughs> and I'm getting angrier and angrier at the comments. So my Bible time ends up with me throwing my phone aside, setting down my Bible, and going on my angry way with my day. And I was really convicted by that, like how easily distracted I was, how I had moved from reading the Bible to needing to know an answer right away. And that's what I want to talk about today, about just being comfortable sitting with the Bible, reading the Bible, and how you might go about doing that. Um, Michelle mentioned the term biblical literacy. I'm sure you've heard that word before. Um, literacy just means feeling comfortable and competent functioning in a certain language or an area of knowledge. So, how many of you are literate in a language other than English? You can speak and read it, no? How many are literate in reading a knitting pattern? So you can read a pattern and you can make it happen. You are my heroes. Um, can you think of any other area that you would say that you are literate in? Reading music. Reading music, good. Um, I'm also very literate in reading trivia about Princess Kate and the babies. <laughs> it's just a little hobby of mine. Um, I love that you said music because that's exactly my example. <coughs> Having played the piano since I was in first grade, I took lessons um, from first grade all the way through my first year of college. So if you put a piece of music in front of me, I can read it. It might not sound, you know, perfectly right. Um, and to the point, maybe you feel this way as well, you can pick up music and you can read it, you can hear it in your head what it's going to sound like because you're so comfortable within that language of music. Well, how did I get to be literate in music? First of all, I took lessons, right? Someone else knew a little bit more than I did at that point and they were able to help me understand scales, arpeggios, how that turns into a song and how we should play a song with feeling and emotion. 
I also, as I grew up through school, I was in band, um, jazz band, just our grades band. Um, now, as Michelle mentioned, playing in worship music here, you're with a group of person, people, and you need to learn how to play with them within that context. But a lot of time is just spent here. This is my piano at home, so I sit in my piano and I pull out music that challenges me. Um, I'm comfortable playing something that might not sound great that I would never ever play for you. <laughs> and I'm able to spend time learning and really looking into that piece of music. I also will commonly just pull out music that I am comfortable with, that I enjoy playing. Um, it relieves stress for me and it encourages me um, simply because I love that song in particular. So I wanna relate that idea into Bible learning. We learn from those who are around us, teaching us, pastors, when you come on Sunday or Saturday, we are encouraged and taught. Um, Bible study teachers, if you're in a school setting, you learn from a professor and they can teach you about the Bible. Secondly, we learn from other Christians. So you all just finished up your Bible study. You, I assume, sat around a table with your group and you're able to encourage each other and um, really just be a group, right? And learn from each other. And you can also learn on your own. This is where it gets a little scary for us sometimes because now it's me sitting with my Bible. And we can get overwhelmed by that and not really know where to start. And so, again, that's what we're going to talk about today. Some tips. I want to give some very practical tips on how to read the Bible. Um, but I also hope that because we're talking about the Bible, that it's also just an encouragement to you. Um, but God does promise that his word will be used in our lives. So the first thing, also I should mention, the James 1 chapter is my handout. So if you want to pick that up, we're going to do some actual um, little exercises with that in a few minutes. So the first thing that I thought of when I thought about how I should be reading the Bible is to remind myself that I need patience. Learning the Bible takes time, right? Just like my piano teacher did not introduce me to my very first lesson and say, here's Chopin, go ahead. Uh, it took time, it takes energy, and it takes discipline to sit down and make yourself read the Bible and to keep consistent with it. Sometimes we're really great at it for the first week. But we need to um, develop perseverance and be disciplined in how we approach it. Secondly, we can ask questions of it. We need to be okay having questions about the Bible and about God. Um, we can never know everything. We can never understand God fully because he is God. Um, and just like he tells Job, Job is not God. <laughs> so you need to be comfortable having questions with and one way to do that, I'm going to hit on this again in a second, but one way to do that is as you're reading through the Bible, have a notebook beside you and just write down every question that comes to mind. Remember my story from the beginning? What did I do as soon as I had, had, a, had a question? <laughs> I needed to know the answer. So have a notebook beside you. Just write down all the questions that, you, that pop into your head. And then thirdly, this is the obvious one. But this is one that sometimes we struggle with. We need to be reading the Bible. Um, I looked at a research, a survey that was done by LifeWay, the company that produces a lot of the women's Bible studies. 
They said that 18% of Christians have not read one word from the Bible. That same number, 18%, have read the complete Bible front to back. Um, and then the other percentages were kind of in the middle. Like, yeah, I've read some of it, but I've never read the entire Bible. So I want you to read the Bible front to back. And I'm going to do a little tangent here. I do work at church. If you, because the rest of the time we're going to talk about reading the Bible front to end, if you decide to do that and you need some accountability, email me. So my email address is kwick, kwick, at chapelstreet.com. I won't put you on a list. I won't check up on you. If, it's, if you're extroverted and it just helps you to speak it to someone else, please email me, and I'll just keep, um, keep that. After, sorry, yeah, K-W-I-C-K at chapelstreetchurch.com. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So once you've read it the first time through, which probably many of you have, guess what? Read it again. If you want to, make it a thing where you try to read it front to end. I keep saying front to end. Of course it's start to finish. But <laughs> you understand what I mean. Um, try to read it just as quickly as you can. Just go through it. Keep that notebook beside you and ask some questions. Here are some other ideas. As you're reading through the Bible, look for motifs. One really interesting one is to look and write down every verse where it mentions light. If you want to go a little further, write down every time it mentions darkness. What is the opposite of light? So you can write down those two things. Another really interesting theme is trees. Every time the Bible talks about a tree, write it down. Once you get through the whole Bible, how do those things connect? Is there anything that kind of teaches you anything about God through that imagery of trees? You could also just write down every time a woman's name is mentioned. People have done this. Do not look it up. Do your own. So as you're reading through the Bible, uh, write down those names. My daughter, Chloe, her name's in the Bible. Find it. All right. <laughs> um, again, look for any repeated words. So this is a little opposite of motifs. This is a little bit looking closer. Just look for repeated phrases. Anytime the Bible repeats something, it means something. So make sure that you're uh, keeping track of those. Again, I mentioned writing down questions in a notebook. You can also pick a theme and a key verse of each Bible uh, book. This was really good for me because I get stuck in Leviticus. How many people get stuck in Leviticus, right? So. Here's my tips for Leviticus, because you're going to get there if you're reading start to finish. When you get there, take a piece of notebook paper and just draw a line down the middle of it and write down common, uncommon. Other words would be, uh, for, for uncommon would be holy. So you can look, every time you come across a command in Leviticus, put it in one of those columns. Is that something to do with being uncommon or dirty? Or is it holy and uncommon, has something to do with God, um, with all those sacrifices? As you go through the book, keep track of everything it tells about God. They had to present sacrifices. Why? Look for all those reasons why. Ask questions. It's okay. You will get through Leviticus. It, it's interesting then, you have the context of Leviticus, now we come and we listen on Sunday to them going through Hebrews when they're speaking, all of a sudden, 
you start, oh, this is why it matters so much that Jesus is our high priest. Because imagine being alive in the time of Leviticus, having to do our offerings so consistently, being reminded of all the ways we are unclean. And then read Hebrews. That's when it becomes so powerful. Okay. Um, as you're reading the Bible start to finish, you want to start seeing the complete story of Scripture. That word meta-narrative that is so in right now is just the overarching story of God. And what is the whole story of God? You also want to be paying attention to context. There are different layers of context. I met someone today, and I don't see you now. Pat, is Pat in here? Pat Entz, yeah. So I met her this morning, and she walked right up to me and said, I think I know you. Are you related to Jim Witt? And I said, yes, I am. And so it was funny because she went to school with my father-in-law back many years ago. And her introduction to me, her context is who? My father-in-law. So you can know me through the context of my father-in-law. But if you're my friend, you might most likely know me through the context of coffee. Because we are not friends if there's not coffee involved on some level. <laughs> so you can know me through all these different contexts, but what's the only way to really know me? Yes, yes, that's, that's the answer, coffee. The only way to really know me is to spend every minute of your life with me, and no one wants to do that, first of all. But secondly, you need to see my overarching story. Where was I born? What's my experience? Why am I the way I am? Why am I so angry when I drive on Randall Road? If you start to understand all my context, you might start to understand how I'm reacting or how I'm interacting with you. On a much more important level, we need to apply that to the Bible. Now, some of you are A students and you might want a little bit of a challenge. So here's my challenge for the A student. Are any of you competitive? Are you? Please say you are, because I'm super competitive. Okay, this is another thing you can email me when you've done this. Read the Bible all the way through, and then see if you can sit down and tell the complete story of scripture, start to finish in one hour. Record yourself doing it, or, Tell it to someone else. Maybe your husband, maybe your baby while they're, you're rocking them because they can't tell you to be quiet. Um, or maybe tell a friend. If you're not a talker, write it down. See if you can write down the complete story of scripture. That is your extra credit assignment. Again, if you want to email me and say, you know what, I finished reading the Bible start to finish. I also um, managed to put together my hour-long story of the scripture. I will send you a gold star. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> I need to catch up. Okay. One thing we're going to do is we're going to take our James handout. We're going to do this together. So what I just suggested is you look for repeated words. I also said that you could look for a repeated concept. So real quickly, as we're looking at these verses, what are some words that start jumping out to you that are repeated? Brothers. Uh-huh, brothers. So what you can do with a word like brothers, you can then go through the whole passage and start circling every pronoun. 
And the fact that he calls them brothers, that starts to mean something because it's not like, hey, strangers, just thought I'd send you a note. How does he feel about these people if he's calling them brothers? Pretty deeply, right? He's got a relationship with them. So start paying attention to the pronouns. What are some other words that are repeated? <clears throat> Trials. Trials. So every time you see something about a trial, underline it, circle it. All you who are really into pens and paper, here's where you bring out all your pretty colored pens. So maybe pick pink for pronouns, pick, pick orange for trials. Okay, there's another word in there that keeps coming up. <coughs> Sorry, I missed it. Ask, ask, yes. Steadfast, yes. Steadfast is in there repeatedly. And just for the sake of time, um, we're going to move on from that for now, but keep that word steadfast in there because we're going to come back to it as far as why he says that. If you are an English teacher, this is your time to shine because you can sit there, you can diagram sentences. Have you, like, if you can diagram a sentence by the Apostle Paul, I like, <laughs> that's amazing. Also, please note, there's no algebra in the Bible, so. All right. Secondly, you need to keep in mind perspective. So how many of you are on Instagram? Do you ever look at the pretty pictures, right? This is me on Instagram. Oh, so cute. That's so pretty. Oh, that's wonderful. Like, 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 right? We start to get used to seeing things in little tiny pretty little sound bites, and it's much more convenient than reading Leviticus. So as we start to read scripture, we need to make sure that we're keeping it in context and we're also just not picking out fun little sound bites and thinking that somehow we have studied the Bible that day. Here's a fun example. You put a pretty wreath around it and we all go, oh, that's wonderful. I am so fed by scripture. Please keep in mind perspective. Keep in mind the context. So now that you've got the complete context of scripture, you can focus in a little more smaller, I guess would be the word. So you can start focusing on a book. If we pick the book of James, you, you can look up the author. You can write down the date. I am terrible at remind, like remembering dates of when different Bible books were written. That's okay. You also don't need to know every answer when someone asks you. You just go, I don't know. Let me look it up. It's fine. Okay, so author, date, to whom it was written. Have any of you learned these groupings? 5, 12, 5, 5, 12, 5, 12, 5, 5, 12, 4, 1, 21, 1. Those are groupings of the genres of the Bible books. Um, that would also be good for you to look at and be somewhat familiar with. I did not purposely write them out for you because I would love for you to look those up on your own. Um, as you're reading the Bible and we're focusing in smaller and smaller into those separate chapters or books, I would like to introduce and remind you that you are all smart. I didn't mean introduce, you knew you were smart. I'm just reminding you that you're very smart. And that means that you can critically think Never read the Bible without thinking and put on that critical thinking cap. Again, for the sake of time, I have to do this in short form. So here is my crash course in critical thinking. You should always be critically thinking also. Every time you're parenting, 
every time you are interacting with someone else, every time you're praying, as Tracy's going to talk about in a few minutes, we should be thinking. Um, here's the one spot you should not critically think. I just want to point this out to you. Don't get carried away. This Target dollar spot, when it goes on 50% off, you do not have to critically think. Just buy it. <laughs> okay, we get lazy and we stop thinking things through, but guess who's really super good at critically thinking? A toddler. Because of what question do they ask more than anything? I raised three children. I heard this word 2,536,456 times, right? What, I heard it. Why? This is all you have to remember if you want to become a critical thinker. Why? Now, if that's a little too simplistic for you and you're thinking, oh, what? Here are some other questions. You could say, why is the author saying what he's saying? Why is this included in the story of scripture? So as you're reading through these different things and reading about being steadfast, why is the author saying that? And start thinking that, uh, thinking it through the answer. Why is this included in the story of scripture? Why is this telling me something about God in this? Can I, can I figure out what that is? So we're going to take our James passage and we're going to do some critical thinking. So using the word steadfast, um, we are going to ask some questions as to why. So he tells you at the beginning, or he tells them, why? They, they're supposed to be steadfast. Why? Someone tell me. Yes. I heard it from both sides of the room, so that you may be perfect and wholly lacking nothing. It is interesting that the next thing he says is, oh yeah, you might be lacking something. And so we are to pray for wisdom, and God will give us wisdom. But, sorry, that was a tangent. Stay back with steadfast. Why should we be perfect and complete? Or you can go back to the word steadfast. Again, why should they stay steadfast? Receive the crown of life, I think I heard. Yeah. And then someone else said something over here. Right, so exactly, so that you lack nothing. Also, there is a, I'm looking for the verse down, let's look like 12 through 15. What's another reason to remain steadfast? The crown of life. And what's that other big topic there? Temptation, right. So if we remain steadfast, we are able to withstand temptation. As you go through this, if you had more time, I would have you again you know, bring out those pretty markers and just look for all the synonyms for steadfast, look for all the antonyms, look for all the metaphors, the similes. So the wave going back and forth, that would not be good, right? That is what steadfastness is not. So start looking for all those phrases. Here's my favorite part. If you go down to verse 17, why should we be steadfast? Right. God is steadfast. 
The Father, God, there is no variation or shadow due to change. So as we're reading this, we think, well, I'm not always steadfast, but we've, we've learned something about who God is. He is steadfast. So who should we be going to when we're lacking something? You had mentioned asking, right? Go to God. He is the one that is steadfast at all times, perfect. Um, so how beautiful it is to just sit and look at synonyms, antonyms, look for those repeated phrases, and it will always point to something about God. Here is an example of what your sheet might look like. Um, the lacking and nothing really stood out to me, again, because right next to that, he says, you might lack wisdom. Ask God. Over on the side, um, you see just a couple phrases. I didn't really phrase them as questions, but I did um, put some little things that stood out to me. So that might be um, what it looks like. The third point to reading your Bible is to read with purpose. Because again, we should think critically. Why would we read the Bible? Let's be critical about that. Why do we read it and study it on our own, separate from a group? I am not at all saying you should not study it with a group. Of course you should. That is one facet of it. But you should also be reading and be in it on your own. Does anyone have any answers? Why would we read the Bible? It's the way God speaks to us. Yes. Right. If we're going to say that this is God's word to us, how much better to go to his word to us than someone else's? Relying on someone else's faith or words starts to become, I had one person explain it, that it's like trying to rely on someone else's oxygen tank while you're underwater. Because you're starting to rely on someone else and what they've seen, you need to be uh, reading the word of God and presented with who he is. So always write, read to find out more about who God is. Every command in the Bible tells us more about who God is. So pay attention to those commands. And then thirdly, to sanctify me. Um, when I read the Bible and I read about who God is, all of a sudden I'm thinking about who I am on Randall Road, right? <laughs> um, so you can start to be encouraged by that. Sanctification can be very encouraging too. It can be hard and you're working through it and it can be tough to face up to some of our things that we hold on to so dearly, but it can also be very encouraging. Um, as I was going through and I had, I started out by telling you about some of my favorite chapters in Job. And then I, I picked out James 1 as one that we could do together. And you know what started to hit me after I was reading through those so many times? Why is Job so cool? Because he, was, he remained steadfast through trials. And so as we're reading that, and we can relate to him on some levels, and then we turn to those chapters where God is speaking to him, saying, Job, I made the universe. I created everything. And he reminds him who he is. And then we turn to James, and we see that they're under persecution, and they needed to withstand and stay strong. And then, by extension, who needs to remain steadfast? I do. And so I can take encouragement, and I can see that all those years ago, Job was struggling, but God was there for him. We move into James. They were struggling. God was there for them. We move into our day. God is there for us. 
And so it becomes a picture of steadfastness. The, and you can start to relate those things because you have read the Bible start to finish. You can start to see those witnesses, like we talked about on Sunday, Hebrews 12. We can see the witnesses of faith that have remained faithful to God, and God has remained faithful to them. Um, those are my three things for reading through the Bible. It will take patience. It takes discipline, which is why I want you to email me if you decide to do it. Um, it does take a perspective. You need to keep in mind context and that there are different layers of context. Thirdly, you need to keep in mind your why, your purpose. Why am I reading the Bible? Ultimately, it's to learn more about who God is. In the beginning, I told a story about reading through chapters in Job. What I didn't tell you is the why behind that. Why were we sitting there reading chapters out loud to each other, my cousin and I? She's a grown-up, she's an adult, but we don't really often sit around reading chapters out loud. The reason why is because we were by my grandma's bedside in the hospital. She had been put on hospice, and so we were kind of watching over her. Um, this was about a month ago. So we were watching her. She has lived a life that was extremely faithful, um, dependent on God, who she knew as being steadfast. I was a, she was 96, um, but like, I wanna say about six years ago, she said, oh, I just memorized, and she told me some chapter from the Bible that she had just memorized, and she said, because you can never stop learning about God. And that just meant so much to me, that Bible reading and Bible memory had stayed consistent in her life and how important it was for her. So, I love to read much, <laughs> but I can do this. So Beth and I are reading chapters from Job, and we're being reminded of God's faithfulness to us. Grandma needed to hear those verses because she's on the edge of eternity, right? She's going to be facing her Savior and made complete in him, made perfect. And she needs to be reminded that he is faithful and he will welcome her home. Beth and I need to be reminded because we're still here. We're dealing with the aftermath. We're dealing with our own lives and our own situations. We need to be reminded of God's faithfulness and who he is. And those chapters in Job where he goes on talking about all the creation and everything he's created became so meaningful in that context. And I want it to be meaningful for all of us. As we were reading and going through that, I was just immensely encouraged by God's reminder of his steadfastness. And this is the God of the universe, the God who created everything, including unicorns. <laughs> Okay, let's, uh, I would love to pray right now. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for the reminder of your steadfastness, both through the example of Job, who remains steadfast under trial. Thank you for the reminder in James that was written to a specific group of people, but that we can take encouragement from. Thank you that um, you have given us your word, that we can learn more about you, help us to focus on that, and to have a renewed sense of desire to read your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.